You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 6. This is Writing Excuses. An interview with Howard Taylor. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And I'm the guy with his feet in the fire. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Howard, I've been looking forward to this one. I'm going to ask you the hardest questions. So, I actually am not. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you some things about stuff that I assume you've been thinking about a lot, because I've been thinking about it a lot. Uh, you, as as you've said several times, you've just finished your magnum opus, 20 years of daily you know, web cartoons and all of these wonderful books and stories that have come from them. And I would love if you could condense into you know just a little nugget for us um how do you feel like you changed as a creator from the beginning of that to the end of that long process Ooh, um three-part answer part one um i very quickly got better at all of the pieces that were involved I became a better storyteller, just the the craft, better storyteller in terms of craft, uh, better artist um, in terms of composition, uh, better humorist. I treat that as a different skill than the other two because it's such a specific mechanic. Um, I got better at all of that. So that's uh, part one. Um, Part two is... uh, (sighs) I realized, and it was when we first started recording Writing Excuses, um, I say first started, uh, 2009, we had an episode, or maybe it was late 2008, where the question was, what have you learned from Writing Excuses this year? And my answer was, um, I have learned that I'm writing social satire. 
which mm-hmm. I had been doing for eight years now, but didn't know it. And once I knew it, I got a lot better at it because I recognized which jokes didn't fit, which jokes did fit, which scenarios did fit, which scenarios didn't fit. Um, uh, and that was that was actually a huge change for me. And similar types of changes have happened since then where I have realized, oh, this is what I am doing. This is the name for the thing that I'm doing. Um, so that's answer number two. Answer number three is the squishy one. And it is, I have learned that what I am doing matters. Hmm. There have been people who have have emailed me and said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, you know, I would wake up every morning and just not think I could go on and was ready to end it and then realized, but then I will miss tomorrow's schlock mercenary update. And I realized, okay, that's way too much for me to carry. Please don't put that on me, but, um, I'm carrying it and, and I will, and thank you for staying with us. Um, and on, on, you know, less life-threatening sorts of notes, people have described things that I've written that have woken them up in some way or another, that have changed the way they think about things. And, uh, and even though I write silly stuff, um, it matters. I mean, it's social satire. So at some level, you step back and say, well, of course, social satire matters. That's how we understand where society is broken, blah, blah, blah. I don't go around thinking that that's my job, but uh, at some level, it is. That's great. Uh, so I think that there's a phenomenon that, that I see in web comics a lot, but I, I think it's more fair to say that every creator, every writer goes through this where they decide that they have a really big idea and they want to get it out there into the world. And the reason this stands out to me in webcomics is because in in that particular medium and art form, you're kind of tap dancing live in front of everybody, right? And so uh, comics that started as joke-a-day kind of stuff or very small stories, eventually hit this point, and I've seen this dozens and dozens of times, where they decide they want to tell a very long, very epic, very involved story. And I have never seen any of them pull it off as successfully as you can. And I wonder if you can point to any particular decisions or tools that helped you make that transition from joke a day into what was by the end of it, an incredibly powerful and epic science fiction story time. Um, uh, I remember picking up my sister-in-law, Nancy Fulda from the airport and being in the airport and just thinking about sci-fi and travel and, and had this whole idea of, you know, what if, the Wormgate network, uh, the reason they want that as a monopoly is not because of money, but is because of information, because they are able to gate clone people and quietly interrogate them and find out all of the stuff 
and then just quietly murder the gate gate clones and nobody knows anything else. And so that idea came to me waiting in an airport. Um, Hmm. And and in order to tell that story, I knew that I needed to lay down some pieces that were going to take longer. Up until that point, I'd had this idea that I was going to do it a little more like uh, like Bloom County did it in the newspapers back in the uh, back in the eighties, eighties uh, early nineties, which was uh, uh, Burke breathed would run a story, um, and he was also doing social satire. Um, he would run a story that ran for a week or maybe two mm-hmm. weeks with opus as interludes on Sundays, um, and so I had this idea that in terms of framework. Yeah, I can keep people's attention with a story for a week or two. Um, but the fact that on the internet, people could page back, you know, start from comic one and could just read it straight through. I thought, yeah, you know what? I can go for more than a week and t- week or two. I can go for, I can go for maybe a month, but a month really needs to be the limit. <laughs> and then, uh-huh. uh, and then I had this idea about, you know, the, the terraport breaking the monopoly and the worm gate and the cloning and all that. and. And by that time, I had uh, five or ten thousand uh, regular readers who had stuck with me, and I decided, all right, I'll try making it a little longer. And as I'm sure most of you have experienced, when you're writing something that takes you several months to write, during the course of writing it, maybe I should ask it as a question: Do you ever have ideas for other things to write? <laughs> because that was exactly how it went is that, you know, I would ask, but then what happens? But then what happens? Oh, wait, there's this thing out in pop culture that I want to talk about because it's so much fun. And, oh, and, and, and then what happens? And if I mash these things together and because I worked ahead, because I, I typically worked three weeks, minimum of three weeks, uh, sometimes as much as six to eight weeks ahead, um, I had time to mull these ideas over before I started uh, throwing them down on the page. Um, I was never drawing comics, you know, the, the day before they aired. That was that that way lies madness. We uh, I, I have a lot of questions to ask about what is next. But first, we're going to pause for our thing of the week. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Schlock Mercenary ends with a trilogy of books called Mandatory Failure, A Function of Firepower, and Sergeant in Motion. The thing of the week is those three books, because coming up with the ending for the 20-year mega arc of Schlock Mercenary was super fun for me, Um, but those three books online will really only take you about a day to read, and if you read them, We'll do, or even if you don't read them, we'll do a deep dive on that sometime later this year. Um, so three books, Mandatory Failure, Function of Firepower, and A Sergeant in Motion, found at schlockmercenary.com. 
And the URL at the end of schlockmercenary.com is 2017-09-18, because it started on September 18th of 2017. So, Howard, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about what comes next. You finished a, you know, lifetime worth of webcomic science fiction, but you're still creating and you're still working and still doing new, new things. What, what comes next? Uh, I was going to ask you guys that because I, <laughs> oh boy, sometimes, honestly, sometimes I just don't know. Um, in the, uh, in the tag cloud, the, uh, career and lifestyle episodes, um, I could just, I could talk about this for a whole 15 minutes, which is waking up in the morning and just not being sure what comes next. Because for a solid 18 years, 18 of the 20, um, I would lie down in bed. And as I drifted off to sleep, the voices in my head were talking about what happened next. You know, the, the story was unfolding for me all the time. And they're quiet now. I know that sounds kind of sad. They've stopped talking. Um, <laughs> well, they, I left them in a good place. Um, I hope. Uh, I've I've done some prose writing, and it's it's gone well. Um, but it got interrupted. It got interrupted by stuff. There's lots of interruptions. For the next year, we are spending uh, we're spending most of our time getting the final Schlock Mercenary books. Uh, 18, 19, and 20, getting them into print. And that's what's going to pay the bills for 2023 and most of 2024. By the end of 2023, Dan, I need to have an answer to your question, and it needs to be a good answer that's already generating revenue. So, um, yeah. Sounds to me um, like you might need that answer a lot sooner than the end of yeah. 23. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. But uh, so one of the things that I remember you talking about in in a previous episode, Howard, is that when you started Schlock, that uh, you you kind of didn't actually really know how to draw. Um, that that you had this idea, you wanted to do it, and that you you taught yourself the tools that you needed to to in in order to in order to move forward with the story. So I guess. When you're thinking about you know what is next, you're you're playing with prose, but that's a tool you already know. Is there a tool that you're that you're looking at and going, hmm, that's a really interesting tool. I would like to know more about that, please. Um, short answer, yes. Uh, longer answer, um, long COVID and chronic fatigue have constricted my energy envelope to the point that. If the learning curve is steep enough, um, I I can't afford to do it. Mm. I I don't have I can't put in a twelve hour workday anymore. I can barely put in a, a four hour workday, a, a six hour workday of you know just sitting and getting the stuff done. Um, it's uh, it's difficult. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've loved is. Uh, when we were doing um, the role-playing game streams uh, the uh, for Typecast RPG, I loved creating Twitch overlays and the idea of streaming and having 
video conversations that mixed, uh, you know, I've got all the gear, I've got all the tools to, you know, do the, the pushing of buttons and having pictures change. Um, you know, I had this great idea for a, a, a Twitch stream that's Howard and his artist friends, dual cameras, you know, switching between uh, various, I'm waving mm. my hands around and the audio is just not going to pick that up. Um, <laughs> uh, swapping, swapping the camera pictures and the, 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 the whole show would be titled Everybody Draws Better Than Howard Does. Um, and I would have other artists on and we would talk about what we were each working on and I would shower them with praise and we'd plug their work and it would be silly fun. And uh, I don't have the energy for that. That's, uh, I just don't have the energy for that. Um, but I have had the energy for sitting down and writing and I've got mm-hmm. so many stories I want to tell that it is fair for me, I think, to prioritize and say, I would rather pick the medium, pick the techniques that I already know so that I can tell as many stories as I can. I can say as much of what I've got to say before my timeline eventually runs out than for me to try and learn something new and slow all that down. And I know that sounds kind of morbid and whatever, but, um, and hey, no, maybe I- the CFS will get better and I'll be putting in 12-hour days when I'm 70. I'd love that. I, I really like that, though, the idea of of picking, you know, we, we do, I think, tend to go for hard setting all the time. So, um, you know, the, the number of writers, and I know, hello, listener, I'm speaking directly to you, the one that <laughs> listens to the homework assignment and says, hmm, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make it harder. Or they told me that you can't possibly do a story about zombie unicorns. I'm going to do a story about zombie unicorns and submit it to the editor who told me they don't like it. You know, I know that that is is a temptation that happens to a lot of people. But I think there is something really beautiful about saying, I'm going to use this tool that I love, that is familiar and comfortable. And I'm going to tell the best stories I can with with tools I already know how to use. And I'm just going to refine them. Yeah. And that's... um... I think it was 2000, uh, 2008, 2009, about the same time the podcast started. Um, I, I really got, got on this kick of the, uh, the focused practice, mm. the whole concept of focused practice, the idea that you practice the things that you're bad at so that you stop taking shortcuts uh, and going around them. You know, For me, it was I didn't know how to draw hands. And so I practiced drawing hands, ended up drawing Curtis Hickman's hands doing magic tricks in the uh, the first Extreme Dungeon Mastery book. Um, and Curtis came back to me and said, uh, Howard, these are the best illustrations of these tricks that exist anywhere because all of the others are grainy photographs in black and white of an old man's hands and you can't tell what's going on. Um, so low bar, but I cleared it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I was on this kick now I look at things and I say, yeah, there are things that I that I am not good at, but there are a lot of things where I've spent years refining my skills, and yes, I could develop the skills further, obviously, but I'm good enough at it that 
maybe I can just focus on that. And now that path is the easy path, but it's not the shortcut. It's it's falling back on the craft that I've spent 20 years learning. I uh, This is going to sound like a joke, but I mean it sincerely. I'm going to make low bar, but I cleared it. My mantra for goal setting for the year. <laughs> like... <laughs> Simple things that I can finish and feel good about myself. That's fantastic. Um, Under promise and over deliver. (laughs) Yes. Howard, what's our homework today? Okay. I want you, fair listener, uh, who you are probably uh, heavily focused on pros. I want you to take a moment and explore some of the tools in my toolbox. Take an index card. For each key beat, each key moment in a scene that you've written and illustrate that beat just using stick figures and smiley, frowny, angry faces, just whatever skills you've got so that you have a camera aimed at a very scribbly, blurry version of of that scene and do that, do that for the whole scene and see how that changes the way you eventually edit it or rewrite it or write what comes next. All right, you have your homework assignment. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.